We are live, it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. It can only be the Retro Chat Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Andy Evans, coming to you live across all of the MOS network, the information superhighway. If you're watching us now on YouTube, on Twitch, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Trodo, on Instagram, anywhere you can, you can watch the Retro Chat Podcast and all of the MOS network. Now... Coming up tonight, we're going to be talking all about the ill-fated cartoon, the legendary, in uh, maybe a different type of way, The New Adventures of He-Man. But before we do that, I just want to give massive props out to fellow MOS network host, Tez, who debuted his new show, Ministry of Horror, last night as you're watching this. So Tuesday night, and you can watch it every week at eight o'clock across the MOS network. And Tez was welcomed by Scream Queen, uh, Danny Thomas, uh, who came on and talked about her career within horror in films. And of course they ranked the best and the worst 90s horror films. And Tez, it was a great debut. You can catch the audio archive on the Ministry of Slam feed available across all Spotify, um, Apple, anywhere you can hear it. Plus, go to the MOS Network YouTube channel and you can catch the repeat there or go to the Retro Chat Podcast UK and you can catch it on demand at that point. But you can listen and watch Tess every Tuesday, 8 o'clock, for the Ministry of Horror. It's a cracking show. Uh, Gruff is in the chat room. Good evening, Andy. Hope you're well. Good evening, Gruff. I hope you're good. Uh, ready for some chat about the new adventures of He-Man. But let's get through some contact details. If you want to get in contact with us, of course, we are on the MOS network. Um, and you can join us on these platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. You just need to head to the Retro Chat podcast. You can follow and watch us on Twitter. And you can join in the conversation using that hashtag, which you can see down the bottom, back in time. Use that. Let's get it trending. And let's do all of the Retro Chat conversation under back in time. You can watch us live now on Twitter as well. And you can also watch us on YouTube by searching for Retro Chat Podcast UK. If you also go to the website, which is retrochat.co.uk, you can watch us live right now on the website. If you want to join the rest of the MOS Network family, you can do because every Sunday at 7 p.m., it's Ministry of Slam Live with Lee and Lawrence. Uh, hopefully, Lawrence will be back this Sunday. I had the pleasure of stepping in and hosting the show uh, this past weekend. Uh, great to, um, to be back with Lee again and to be back behind uh, the mic at Ministry of Slam. First time in 13 years. So, uh, But hopefully, I won't be back on anytime soon and Lawrence will be back on Sunday. If you want to contact the guys across social media, then do it on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook at the MOS Network, or you can follow the specific show on Twitter at Ministry of Slam. Listen to the audio podcast across all good podcast providers. Just search Ministry of Slam, and you can do the same for us by searching Retro Chat Podcast. Ministry is on our feed. We are on their feed. So wherever you're listening, you are going to get the audio of the Retro Chat Podcast. All right. You can also listen to Classic from the Vault episodes exclusive to our feed, which is where we're going to be hearing something 
that has happened for this show. And I'm going to be welcoming Chris Vint later on, uh, talking to Jack Alesco, one of the producers and the writer of The New Adventures of He-Man. Okay, plugs out of the way. Advertisements are done. Anthony Roberts. Hi, Anthony Roberts. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Um, let's do a little bit of what happened when, shall we? Because the product, the show that we're talking about tonight, September the 1st, 1990, was its air date in the US. And that, of course, was the debut of the first of 65 episodes of The New Adventures. But what happened when, to quote Comrade Thompson, what was the number one single in the UK as of September the 1st, 1990. All right, what do we think? I mean, chat room, if anyone's listening, pop your comments in there. Um, I will tell you, it was number one for three weeks, starting on from August the 25th. And it featured a former Wackaday host. Uh, international viewers, if you're watching this and you're listening to this going, what the heck was Wackaday? Wackaday was a tremendous Saturday morning um, kids, kids game show basically on, on TVAM in the eighties. Not got it yet. Let's give you the answer. It was the itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow poker dabakini that she wore for the first time today. Oh yeah. Itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow poker. So, uh, Arena, uh, featuring as Gruff has put in the chat room, Timmy Mallet. Absolutely right with Mallet's Mallet. Um, number one single in the USA wasn't as cheesy as this. It was by Sweet Sensation. It was called If Wishes Came True. And it was number one for one week from September the 1st of 1990. Moving on to movies, though. What was the number one movie in the UK box office on September the 1st? I'll give you some clues. It featured an Oscar-winning performance by Patrick Swayze. It featured a woman before she was indecently proposed by Robert Redford, Demi Moore. And it also features a woman who's in the news this past week, maybe not for the right reasons, but also starring in Picard, starting in March, Whoopi Goldberg. It was Ghost, the iconic scene where they're pottering on the potter's wheel with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Uh, Ghost was number one in the UK box office. It spent most of 1990 at the top charts. In the US, the number one movie was called Dark Man, uh, and that was uh, bringing in $8,054,860 into the US box office for just one week of airing. Uh, moving to professional wrestling, let's look at what happened when in professional wrestling there was an NWA house show being run um, from the Greensboro Stadium in Greensboro, North Carolina. It featured Brad Armstrong defeating Brad Anderson. The Junkyard Dog defeated Joe Kazana. The Midnight Express with Jim Cornette for part of last week's great debate went over Brian Pillman and the Z-Man Tom Zenk. Lex Luger defeated Dan Spivey by countout to retain the NWA US Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, it was the reigning and defending NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the man they call Sting, defeating Mark Callis, who became known as The Undertaker in the World Wrestling Federation less than 
a year later. So that was what happened when September the 1st, 1990. Now, let's talk about why we are here. The New Adventures of He-Man was an animated show that was meant to have been originally a direct sequel, a direct continuation of the classic Masters of the Universe that had been produced by Filmation. Now, anyone in the 80s, and we talked about it here on Retro Chat before with Chris, knows the impact that Masters had in TV at that point, because it really broke broadcasting standards, allowing toys and sales to be linked with a cartoon animation. And it really started a whole plethora of events because you had shows then like Mask, um, like Gem and the Holograms, My Little Pony, the Transformers, the Thundercats, the Centurions, the Visionaries, the Silverhawks, I can go on and I can go on. We're all doing um, cartoons mixed in with toy lines. But the problem that Masters had was the fact that Mattel went a little bit too OTT. What they did was they were releasing more figures and more figures and more figures. And the consumer was getting burnt out, which meant that sales of the toy line started to drop, which meant that the ratings of the cartoon started to drop, which ultimately meant that by the end of the Masters line, they weren't making anywhere near as much at the beginning. In fact, I think it was something like an 85% drop. Uh, I might be wrong on that. Chris will certainly pick me up uh, when he listens back to the archive of the show. So the decision was made to rest Masters, put it back in the shelf, leave it alone. And ultimately, it was only a few years that it was on the shelf. And Mattel came back saying, you know what? I think enough time has happened. I think it's time we brought Masters back. So they went to Filmation and they said to them, let's do this new show. Let's do uh, this continuation of Masters. But Filmation's parent company called Westinghouse Broadcast had shut down the studio. That was it. Done. All gone. No more. So Mattel, <coughs> excuse me, Mattel had no choice. What they had to do was go and create a whole new universe, a whole new continuity, develop a new Master of the Universe line. And it wasn't until Revelations that came out in on Netflix in 2021 that we actually went back and continued the story of the original Masters of the Universe. And Kevin Smith produced 20 episodes of that across one season. But that was the first time. The 2000X series was a reboot. It was a remaster of the original adventures. The new adventures was totally, totally different. And it would also mark the final entry into the Masters of the Universe until He-Man and the Masters, the 2000X show, was rebooted 12 years later. The show, as much as it's beautiful animation, and it's really beautiful, it took on a Japanese anime style. It was very different to the stock footage that they were doing at Filmation at the time. It took on a, a completely different feel. Skeletor, instead of being the maniacal, yeah, <laughs> on the original series, became more of a, a comedy 
villain, uh, a bungling buffoon, and more of a comedian. In some ways, a bit Jack Nicholson and the way he portrayed the Joker in the 1989 series. But they did that for a reason, because what they were trying to do was make Skeletor stand out a bit more, right? This was aimed more at kids. I mean, Masters, you can argue, you can go, Andy, what are you talking about? Masters is aimed at kids. Yeah, I know. Masters is aimed at kids. Of course it is. This was really aimed at kids. Yeah. And we're going to hear about that in just a second. He-Man was very dull. The way they wrote Adam and the way they wrote He-Man himself, he was very dull. He was a dull character. There wasn't much about him. So by moving him out of what he knew in terms of being an attorney and being at Grayskull and moving to Primus was meant to reboot and give some re-life and re-energy into that character. And, and some will argue, and I'm one of them, that he did that. A lot of people don't. And we went to Facebook earlier on this week and asked a fan group from Master of the Universe what their opinion was of the new adventures and we'll get some of that feedback in a second but the show actually designed a whole new world taking he-man off of eternia did two things it allowed mattel to create new characters which meant new merchandise it allowed mattel to create new vehicles such as the starship eternia instead of the wind raider it allowed them to do more going off primus and going to the mutants home world or to the remainder of the Galactic Guardians. It introduced characters such as the scientists, which were kind of like the comedic relief and meant to be the annoyance, you know, like Orko was in the original series. So the synopsis of the show that was developed by Jack Aleska was that He-Man, the legendary defender of the planet Eternia, has been summoned to the futuristic planet of Primus to fend the planet from the evil mutants of the neighboring planet of Denebria. But his old adversary, Skeletor, has followed him and allied himself with the mutants in his fight to conquer the whole universe. Together with a team of galactic guardians from Primus, He-Man fights to defend the planet and all its power resources from the continuous attacks by Skeletor and the mutants. So we had new characters appear as we said from the galactic guardians we had flipshot hydron kayo nocturna Vizar, tuscador artilla spinwit sagittar and on the mutant side they were led by flog flog was the military commander of the mutant armada he commands from the mutant mothership which was anyone who's watched gi joe and watched gi joe the movie that mothership um looked like something that comes out of Cobra La. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go and try and just grab a screenshot of uh, the the big beetle that, that flies out of Cobra La because it's it's actually really similar. Gruff has put it in the chat room. Um, I don't think the new adventures is that bad. It's different, but it's not bad. And I completely agree with you there, Gruff. Absolutely. Um, Slushhead is an incompetent amphibious mutant with cybernetic tentacles and Slushhead serves as the second in command for Vlog and the co-pilot of the mothership. You had Optic, who's a cyborg with an eye for a head. Reminds me of Cyclops from the original series. Um, 
there was karate a mutant with and i do say that karate uh with a deadly martial arts skills who's often paired with who you've got who himself a mutant with powerful kicks who's often paired with karate lizor you had quake staghorn butthead unfortunately there was no beavers um krita the tech mutants and the mutant troopers you also had master Cebrian, who was the i suppose you could call her the sorceress style character he was the really wise knowledgeable man on the planet primus and the only person in the series that adam reveals his secret identity to now that's different because in the original masters remember it was uh me and my friends mad at arms orko and the sorceress so three people knew but in this one he only told separate and because of that, Sebrian came up with the guys that Adam was going to be his merchant nephew from Levitan. And Sebrian also has magical spells, and he's the ability to be a wizard. There was Mara, who started off as the assistant of Master Sebrian, the ambassador of Primus, and eventually became the leader of the Galactamites. And she's shown to have good fighting skills when she goes up against Kaita. And what was really good about this, unlike the original series, excuse me, unlike the original series, um, the character development in this throughout the entire 65 episodes was really good because you saw Mara change from this innocent young woman who is the consort, the, the admin assistant, if you want to put it in that reflect, to Sebrian, turn into this brave, dynamic, action-oriented hero in her own right. It is really good to see. You have the scientists of Primus, Alcon, Geppel, Krex, Meldok. You had Kaz, the young boy with a first for adventure who we first saw in the first episode as part of the five-part movie, who many people have said he's the heir to the planet. You had Gleep, the robot Gleep. Again, similar to Orko. And just like the original series, the new adventures was culminated by mini comics. And the mini comics came packaged with the toys, but the story is slightly different. So when Adam and Skeletor travel to Primus, Adam becomes He-Man in front of Skeletor, revealing his secret identity and giving up the identity of Prince Adam to remain permanently as He-Man. And the explosion from the transformation damaged Skeletor and he has to become a cyborg in order to survive in the comics as well skeletor does not take allegiance does not fake sorry allegiance to flog instead he defeats flog and assumes full command of the evil mutants and the element of the transformation from adam to he-man is retained from the first series as they are throughout the he-man legacy as mattel and the creators felt that it would actually be unwise to abandon it and the reason it would have been unwise is because the transformation sequence is one of the most beloved and popular elements of the original series. But in this series, the transformation is different. Because instead of saying, by the power of Grayskull, Adam will say, by the power of Eternia. Grayskull is dropped altogether from the new adventures, which 
is a bit surprising because in the first episode, you see He-Man talking to the sorceress in Grayskull. With the sorceress saying, this is your destiny to go to Primus. So they drop it at the end, which is real. I never quite understood why they did that. And I think even Jack Aleska has regretted it in some parts over the years because that's the one link you've got with the original series. I mean, you're changing everything about He-Man. You're changing everything about the new adventures. You want to keep some aspects of it similar for the diehard fans, for those who have grown up watching He-Man in the original series. In fact, they did that by bringing Teela back into the show, although a completely different look for Sheik for Teela. So, how is the show perceived? I mean, it, it's been compared as it's going to be with the original series, but I don't think you can, just like Gruff, but in the chat, I don't think the new adventures is that bad. It's different, but it's not bad. And the reviews noted a real dramatic shift in the quality, the tone, the storytelling. But what that did was it created a sense of discontinuity from the original. It made it look, it made it feel totally different. But the animation is far superior. As we said, a lot of filmation was stock footage that they then cut and spliced into the episode. So things like the transformation scene was exactly the same. Um, certain shots where you see He-Man running off is the same that they used throughout the 120 episodes of the original series. But bear in mind as well that Mattel had such a feeling about this show. They had such a feeling of positivity about it that they actually booked it for 65 episodes. Straight off the bat, that's kind of unheard of. Certain shows such as the Thundercats and Silverhawks had 65 initial orders. But if you listen back to the interview with Larry Kenny that's in the archives here at MOS, here at the MOS Network and on Retro Chat, you will notice that normally what happens is you get an order for 20. They then get to the end of that 20. They think that's it. The studio might give them another 10. They then have to go back and create another 10. They then have to go back and create another five after that or another 15. It's very rare that a studio will give an order direct for 65 episodes. So they had faith in the new adventures of He-Man. They had faith in what it was that they were actually trying to do. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to take you to an interview that was conducted by Chris Finn on Master of the Universe Chronicles featuring Jack Aleska. And Jack was the man responsible for creating the stories and creating the Bible of the new adventures of He-Man. Have a listen to this because what Jack tells us is really fascinating and you're going to find out more about the background of He-Man, the new adventures. I'll be back with more after this. Well, um, many years ago, I worked with uh, Jean Chalapin uh, and Andy Hayward, who started Deke Entertainment, and um, we did a lot of different shows there. We did Mask and Jason the Wheeled Warriors and Inspector Gadget and the Care Bears. And um, a fellow that I was friends with there, uh, Mark Taylor, <clears throat> was their, uh, he was their chief financial officer, and Mark and I got to be uh, good buddies. 
playing baseball on the on the entertainment league uh, baseball team. And uh, when Deke was uh, sold in a leveraged buyout uh, to Bear Stearns, Mark went on and founded a company called Jetlag Entertainment with John Chalapin. And um, as I said, we had a good relationship. And <clears throat> one day I'm sitting at home. And I get a call from Mark, and he says, Jack, Mattel's getting ready to uh, to reboot He-Man. They want to do the new adventures of He-Man. It's going to be something entirely different. And would you be interested in, in getting involved with it? And I said, oh, sure, absolutely I would. So um, he said, that's great. Uh, we want to start out by having you write a series Bible and write five episodes, the first five episodes, which Mattel is going to uh, string together five days in a row and do it as kind of like a, a little mini-series to, to test it. And so I said, oh, that's wonderful. I'll be delighted to do that. <clears throat> so he said, the only catch is that you have to write the series Bible in two weeks and you have to write the five episodes in three weeks. <laughs> so so I said not a problem. I've I've got a reputation I guess in the industry after having written over a thousand episodes of television in in over 30 years. Uh, I've got a reputation reputation for being pretty fast. So I did pound that out. The original series Bible was uh was 96 pages and then I pounded out those uh those five uh, episodes from story springboard through uh, to treatment and outline and then a couple of revisions on each uh, each one of those 32 page scripts and uh, Mattel liked them a lot and we went into uh, to production on doing the 12 episodes and then um, what Mattel did that I thought was kind of clever was they premiered it at the MGM theater in Culver City California and I had no idea Chris what what I was in for and they wanted me to come there and I walk in and there's 1500 screaming kids that are oh. in this <laughs> are in this theater and, and they tablets on standby were they I'm telling you, <laughs> and uh, and they had a live action He Man and Skeletor up on the stage, and and they're battling a little bit with their swords, and then they they ran the five episodes which we bridged together uh, so that it could be aired as a movie, and the kids just went absolutely crazy, and um, <clears throat> we got the call about a week later from Mattel that we were go and that they were going to do uh, 65 episodes. And I ended up writing 37 episodes. And gosh, I'm a little reluctant to say this, but I wrote 37 episodes in a space of 17 weeks. And... Um, and then I story edited uh, uh, quite a, a large block of the, of the remaining episodes. And I always say, Chris, that those those seventeen uh, those thirty seven episodes that I that I did in seventeen weeks, it was sort of like um, when I was in the Air Force. I was a helicopter air rescue medic, and we had a survival training camp that we went through. And it's kind of the same thing. I'm glad I went through it, but I sure wouldn't want to go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you any money whenever you were younger you were not that fast with your homework well you're right about that you know, <laughs> except when it came to writing and composition I suppose <laughs> fantastic fantastic so um, do you have a favorite memory from working on the new adventure series 
Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I enjoyed all of the elements of it, but I really have to say that, that one of the great joys was working uh, with the team that we had, Mark Taylor at Jetlag, uh, one, one of the industry's real gentlemen. Of course, he went on to become uh, uh, executive vice president and general manager of Nickelodeon Animation uh, out in, um, in uh, Burbank, California, and Mark has been there for, oh gosh, I think 15 years now and uh, uh, really launched uh, Nickelodeon. Uh, so he was a great guy. We had a tremendous amount of laughs. And the other thing, uh, and I'll be frank about it, Chris, you know, I know that Maddie, you know, that Mattel gets, gets a lot of heat. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an active member on He-Man.org. But I got to tell you, you know, my experience with Mattel was absolutely golden. And I had written a number of series uh, for them, and developed a number of series for them uh, before I did uh, New Adventures of He-Man. But the people that I worked there, uh, Karen Lee Brown, uh, Deborah Galliani, just amazing executives who were, uh, who were tremendously uh, respectful of writers, gave me a great amount of latitude, were very, very encouraging. Their comments were always constructive, and I just uh, found it an, an overall wonderful experience. So, you know, obviously you know when you when you're working with he-man and skeletor and, and and these classic uh characters uh there's a joy in there um and then the executives that i worked with uh at mattel and as i said at jet lag were just wonderful and then uh the final thing of course uh and the most important thing for me is just to see smiles on the faces of children you know that's uh that's the ultimate joy for me brilliant brilliant so there you have it. There you have it, direct from the man who created the new adventures of He-Man, Jasker Leska. And I think what's really fascinating about that interview is a bit like what they did with She-Ra in the original uh, cartoon series of She-Ra. They released the first five episodes as a movie. That's what it was meant to have been designed as, to be an uh, interactive series, an introduction to the series that the fans could get, a, could get into. And the kids loved it. It's the diehard fans that didn't. The one thing about the new adventures of He-Man that really showcases is the fact that you can tell that Jack wrote the majority of the episodes because they link. There's that continuity, that fluid right from the beginning. In fact, the finale, the last episode, uh, number 65, ties the whole thing up with a bow. It links back to what was being talked about in the first five episodes of the series. And it's such a lovely thing to see because quite often shows don't do that, even in today's era. Um, cartoons or live action shows sometimes don't know they're being axed until the last minute and you don't get that epic conclusion. With this one, you did. But what's interesting is when you go back and you ask fans of the franchise, um, just like wrestling fans, you know, we've all got opinions on what we see from the WWE's product to AEW's product to TNA to Impact to, NO to NWA to Ring of Honor. And fans of cartoon shows and legacies of things like Masters are exactly the same. <clears throat> so I went out to Masters Unlimited on Facebook and I asked them for their feelings of it. And I want to kick off with one from a gentleman by the name of Don Squires. And... Don came back and was and was really honest with me, and he said, 
my memories of this cartoon are as follows. Being really excited for a new He-Man show as I was a big fan of the original and then being really confused because it wasn't remotely like the original. Then I didn't watch any more after one episode. I didn't continue watching because at the time other shows interested me more like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I haven't watched it again since because honestly as an adult a lot of the old shows I watched as a child just don't stand up anymore. My feelings towards the show were due to it being vastly different from the original. Would I watch it again? Probably not. As I said the older shows don't hold my interest as they have very little depth. 2000X and Revelation were geared for adults, thus I could kind of get into them. I tried to go back and watch some of the old filmation which I loved as a child, but it just wasn't the same. And that is a fair comment because our tastes do change as we get older and as we look back on things. But what I find fascinating out of that comment is he watched one episode of the cartoon and for whatever reason decided it's not for him, so he didn't carry on watching it. Joe Maston then followed up by going, the story seemed good. I liked the beginning being on Eternia, but the animation design differences were stark. And also, where did Battle Cat go? Again, very good comment. Daniel Pardonbao, same way, was too futuristic and the power sword. Don't get me started on what that abomination was. The, the power sword, as you saw in that video, um, was very different to what we saw in the original. It was just like more of a, a long sheeted piece of metal. Um, with, with a handle. There wasn't anything special about it. Jill Billman, I remember wanting to watch the new adventures of He-Man and being confused when I saw it because the character designs were so different and I didn't care for the art or the story. I watched a few episodes but didn't finish the series. Last summer, when everyone was hating on Revelations, I found the new adventures on Pluto or Tubi and re-watched the first episode. And I guess the art overall isn't bad, but they did make Skeletor look dirty. He looked and sounded ridiculous and the story was still not engaging. Angel Ortega, I watched the story, but I didn't like it that much, especially Skeletor. He was more of a clown than anything else. Matthew Marches, I remember getting some toys from that show. I think a light up sword and a green lizard action figures whose head was encased in water. I don't remember much of the show, but I was really into TMNT at that time. And then Rene Brockos finishes off with, I recently got a copy of the original Darius prototype figure, which was never released due to the non-working action feature. So some really mixed views there, but the one thing that we're getting is the fact that people only really watched one or two episodes and then just kind of gave up on it. And... It, it makes me wonder the question of should He-Man The New Adventures be re-released now without the He-Man title or even back in 1990 without the He-Man title, would it feature the same reaction or would it be looked at differently? Has it been tarnished because of the legacy of using those letters, those words of He-Man? So I went out to our Master of the Universe expert, our Historian Chris Vint, who you can watch exclusively now on the Retro Chat UK pod, uh, YouTube page on Vinto's Vault. And Chris said, for, a bit, for it being a He-Man related show, it needed to have more than the core good and the bad guys. Why couldn't we have new versions of the villains 
or the heroes. Also, it's weird that Demolition Man used the molds for their toys years later. And I didn't know that until Chris told me that. But yes, Demolition Man, did some research on it afterwards, used the same casings for their action figures. So what do you think? If you're watching this now or listening to this on the audio, would the new Adventures of He-Man have a different reaction if it was released back in 1990 without using the title or the characters of He-Man and Skeletor? Because really, they're the only two that we knew. Hydro, Flipshot, Sebrian, Flog, all brand new characters as we talked about earlier on. Now, I'm, I'm a huge He-Man fan, as you know. And I have recently gone back and watched all 65 episodes. And that wasn't my intention. I didn't plan to sit there and spend 20 minutes per episode watching all 65 of them. But what I found was I really got back hooked back into the story and actually watching it with a clean slate, a fresh pair of eyes, a bit of an open mind about what it was. It was such a good show. The stories were a little bit ropey. Of course they were. But there were some classic episodes of, of Master of the Universe that were ropey. There were episodes of Star Trek, the original series, that were ropey. Spock's brain, season three, being one of those ideas. There were episodes of Baywatch that were ropey. There was a whole second season of Baywatch Nights that was ropey. Um, but you still watched it and you still enjoyed it. I remember getting the box sets back in the early 2000s when they were released on BCI and they had the spine that made the picture of Eternia going through to Etheria and then to the new adventures. I don't have them now. My wife made me sell them. But that's a different story. Um, but I remember watching them again there and just realizing that they were really good, but I still didn't give it a chance. It was still, yeah, it's good, but it's not He-Man. And then, you know, I've watched it recently during lockdown and gone, actually, it's, it's an amazing show. But I'd like to know what you guys think. So those of you who are listening to this or watching this now, let me know what do you think about the new adventures of He-Man? Would it be a different reaction if it was released now? What if they rebooted it? What if they redid it and they brought it back? Same stories, the same plot lines that Jack Aleska wrote. Really be intrigued to know your thoughts. Okay. Before we wrap up tonight, let's talk a little bit of news that's going on in the world. And the big thing is it's Wednesday night. You know what that means? It's AEW Dynamite. Uh, talking on the wrestling scene for just a second. Uh, Tony Khan has announced that a big free agent will be debuting tonight. Who is that? We talked about it on Sunday on the Ministry of Slam. Uh, Jeff Hardy was mentioned. Keith Lee was mentioned. But who do we think it's going to be? My money is still on Keith Lee. I think he is going to make an impact, uh, pardon the pun, tonight on Dynamite. But I am also thinking maybe the artist formerly known as The Fiend. So stay tuned to Ministry of Slam this Sunday at 7 o'clock to find out more about who that was and the reaction of Law and Lee uh, about whether or not they think it was worth it or not. Uh, that's it for this edition of the Retro Chat podcast. Coming up on the MOS Network over the next week, as we mentioned it is, of course, Ministry of Slam live at 7 o'clock on Sunday. You can watch them on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, uh, and Twitter just by searching for the MOS Network. Then on Tuesday, it's Ministry of Horror. That's taking place at 8 p.m. 
live on the MOS network on the same links that you've just seen. And we are back next Wednesday live at 8 p.m. for the Retro Chat podcast. I can't tell you what it's going to be about because I don't know yet. I'm waiting for something to drop. We may have a live interview. Um, We may have a different show. So stay tuned to social media for the latest and on the Discord uh, for the latest news. And we do have a comment coming in now from Gruff, from uh, the Gruff, yeah. And he goes, it does have a very different feel to it for He-Man. I do think maybe if it was a different franchise, there's a chance it may have been received better, but then maybe it would have just been another animated show or toy line. That is a cracking point there, Gruff. I completely agree with you because the one thing about it, whether or not you you loved it, whether or not you hated it, um, it was still talked about. And we are still talking about the new adventures of He-Man over 30 years after its original air date guys been a pleasure as always stay tuned to the mos network uh listen to us and join in the conversation on twitter at retro chat pod using the hashtag back in time uh or tweet the mos network at the mos network or ministry of slam on twitter um that's it for me i will be back this time next week with a retro chat podcast of some type don't know what it's going to be about But until then, I will see you all very soon. Take care and enjoy more He-Man. I'll see you very soon. Good night.